sheet today. Amazing, isn't it? <laughs> Who can help me? Imani. Thank you, honey. Appreciate that very much. We are continuing in this year of grace, and God is certainly doing phenomenal things through, uh, through the world and in our lives during this year thus far. And um, I, was, I was so grateful to God over these past number of months for the way that he's been leading us through his word, particularly about this ever-present topic of grace in the word. We've studied about grace a lot over the years. We've talked about how that it, it is the way God moves us forward. It's the way God moves us into new things. It's the way God leads us into um, pathways that we've not known. And we've talked about how that it is a partnership with him. And we've also pointed out that when you study in uh, any kind of ministerial training, you look at the definition of grace, it's going to say unmerited favor. And um, we've made it a point to show from the scripture that while none of us are deserving of the way grace moves, it's not simply something that just drops down on your head. You know, I, I, I don't know, I was just walking along, and then all of a sudden, up from the sky, come this big dollop of grace. It just fell right on me. I didn't do nothing to deserve it. That's not what grace is. Grace is going to cost you everything. When we talk about amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me, it was a free gift from the Lord, but it cost you everything. If it didn't cost you everything, you're probably not born again. If you didn't die to self and give everything you were, then you're just playing around. Grace costs you something, and we grow in grace. Well, let's talk about this business of favor, because God, over the past week, has been talking to me a lot about favor. What really is favor? You know, grace on an individual level, you know, if you look at through the Old Testament, every time favor is mentioned in the Old Testament, it's the root word grace. It's hen, H-E-N. And that usually came to people in the midst of a challenging moment. You know, Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. Well, things were horrible in, in, on the earth at that point. Hannah found grace. She was in a miserable condition. Joseph found grace. He was in a challenging position. Grace is always going to be known best when sin abounds. And whenever you find favor in the Old Testament, it's going to be, on an individual level, grace. Because it's your opportunity to partner with God in moving forward individually. But really, when you look at favor in a broader scope, it's, it's not so much an individual thing, but it is a corporate thing. Favor 
is something that speaks about a dynamic change across the board that's been being done by God. Favor is when a nation or, or a group of people step into something that God has ordained in his timetable. That's favor. And that's, it's an extension of grace, but as like Noah, Hannah, Joseph, and so many others found grace in the eyes of the Lord to partner individually, when you really move in the favor of God, when you move in the acceptable time of God, you are saying on a widespread scale, we are we're seeing a transformation that Yes, affects an individual, but also is in partnership with what God's doing in a worldwide way. Now, for Noah, yeah, that was that was a cataclysmic. It was it was a it was a, an extermination event. For Hannah, Samuel brought a magnificent change throughout um, throughout the people of God and. What we know of the people of God would never be the same because of what Samuel did and subsequently because of that partnership of Hannah. So those individual things impact. Those individual partnerships with grace will impact the world. That's just what God does. But there are times when God says, all right, you need to view the turning of the page of my timetable. You need to view... What I'm going to do now that is has more to do with my, um, my majesty being known across the universe and recognizing that step of favor is going to incorporate all the steps of faith that you've learned on an individual basis, but now you're coming together to see God do something. It's, it's more a corporate thing, even though it can be done individually, but primarily it's a corporate thing, and um, that's, that's grace personified for a people or for a timetable, and we need to understand about that, and the reason is, first of all, we want to know the word, but secondly, we're in that moment. This is the great grace year. This is a time where God is transforming continents this is a time where God is mobilizing his, his will on pathways all over the world and in different spectrums. So if there ever was an acceptable time of the Lord uh, where his favor is being known in that way, it's now. And so, and I also think that people that have walked the pathway of grace are really the only ones that are going to be able to partner with God in pioneering the stepping into the timetables of God. And we'll see that from the Word. So we're going to look at this first passage here um, in Psalm 143, verse 10. This is a psalm of David. The, the psalm itself begins by David saying, Hear my prayer, Palau, O Lord, Give ear to my supplication. So the whole, the whole tenor of what God, what David's saying here in this chapter, is about grace and supplication in the in the will of God. But he comes here to verse ten, 
And he says, teach me to do thy will, for you are my God. Your spirit is good. Lead me into the land of uprightness. Now, this is the only time in Scripture where favor is taught, where the, where the subject of learning how to walk in the favor of the God is addressed. And when it says, teach me to do your will, will is the word raison, and it, it is the favor of God. It is, it is translated, and we're going to look at some of these uh, verses is translated uh, as the acceptable year of the Lord, the acceptable time. You know, when Jesus, well, I'm getting ahead of myself here, but I just need to clarify this, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord uh, in an acceptable time I've heard you. Um, this, is, this is a widespread partnership with the timetable of God. When God has prepared his people of grace to move in something dynamic, that will impact the world all at once. And so that's where we are, and that's what this is. So teach me to do thy will. Teach me to be in the center of this acceptable favor. Teach me to, to know how to discern the, time, the turning of the pages of time. Teach me how to recognize the overall spectrum of what you're doing, God. So few really want that. So few are temporally minded only. They only want to do what's right in front of them or what everybody else is doing. So few really will get on the lap of God's heart and say, show me your ways. Teach me the acceptable timing of your favor. This is what David asks. And the strange thing, too, about this is he does not use, there are 12 different words in Hebrew that speak about teaching. This is the most obscure and, to me, the oddest of them all because it, it's really a word that means to goad, G-O-A-D. It's, it's a word that is used when farmers would poke their livestock to get them to go in a certain way. In fact, the, the instrument that they used, the, the staff that they used, was called a goad. And you talked about goading, if, if you ever said, heard this phrase, I, and they just goaded him along to just kind of influence people to go in certain ways. This is how David says that he wants God to teach him about the acceptable favor, which to me is an extension of grace, because Grace is always in the middle of a, of a screwy environment. <laughs> Grace is always in the middle of darkness. Grace is always in the middle of something you have to overcome. Grace is always the potential of a dynamic miracle that takes place in an environment that seems impossible. So you here you have this extension, David, who begins this chapter by saying, hear my my judged, judged prayer, this is the prosuke version of the Old Testament, as I lift before you, O God, with the great will, Yahweh, my supplication. And here he comes at the end and says, 
I want you to do whatever's necessary. I want you to influence my pathway with trying circumstances, with challenging moments, so that I will successfully enter into the acceptable favor. What a strange thing. I dare say this doesn't preach very well. Yeah, we'd say, if you do these four things, you'll find yourself on the, on the wave of God's blessing. Have somebody lay hands on you, and it'll just happen, and you'll be there. Transport me into it, Jesus. You know, we, we like that kind of thing. But here David says, you know, it would be one thing if he was asking about somebody else. Teach Mark your ways. <laughs> Goad him. But he's saying this to, about himself. Do whatever's necessary so that I don't miss the pathway of your acceptable favor. And, and then it says, because your spirit is tobe. Lead me into that next plateau where we can set as a staging area for going forward because uh, uprightness is a level landing. It's your objective. Um, now, if you were to read the next two verses, which we're not because it's, I'm just referencing this because we're going to go through and see what this thy will, this favor of the Lord is. You'll see David say, quicken me, Yahweh, because of your name and because of your righteousness, because of what you've commissioned me to do and because of the vision you've given me, and bring my soul out of trouble. Bring, bring my soul through, and this is Sarah, this is bring my soul through the tight place. Bring my soul through the place of travail into birthing. And of your mercy, cut off mine enemies. That sounds like a Monty Python. Cut off mine enemies in thy mercy. Um, but really what it's saying is, keep me right there at the Ark of the Covenant so that I can hear what you're telling me to do, and then I can go forth, and through that, the enemies are going to be cut off. Destroy all them that afflict my soul and make it really narrow. Uh, my, my emotions, my mind, you know, I just ask you to destroy all of them because I am your servant. David makes no bones about it. He doesn't say, well, you know, there's lots of servants. You know, we're all God's servants. No, David says, I am your servant. And you can call that exclusivity or not, but that's about as exclusive as, if, as you can get. You want the heart of David? You got to know that you are the one. You're taking responsibility for what God has given. I am your servant. And this is great. So teach me with that divine rod. Uh, perhaps it's what Hebrews says about every son that God loves, he chastens. Um, I want to be brought into that place. And I, I'm not asking this to come upon us. I'm just identifying that it's been upon us. Uh, I, I, you know, we faced a lot of things over the past 20 years, and thank God he's brought us through them all. And there are great things happening now. There are tremendous things that God is doing. But I, I don't remember influences like what we're facing. And they're, they're, I'm not damning them. I'm not rebuking them. I'm not casting them out. 
I'm saying that God is going to use them, God is using them, to lead us as his people into the greatest victory we've ever known. It's the timetable of the Lord. God is moving in mighty ways, and it's a, it's a great thing. So what welcomes, from the scriptural definition, this kind of favor? And again, the word translated as will, teach me to do your will, this word is the favor of God. And we're going to look at what that favor really means. What welcomes this? Well, it's the responsibility of the holy things. Exodus 28, 38. It shall be upon Aaron's forehead that Aaron may bear the iniquity of the holy things. The iniquity of the holy things. I always think that phrase is interesting. Which the children of Israel shall hollow in their holy gifts. And it shall be always upon his forehead that they may be accepted before the plan of God. You know, the first thing you're going to have to do is take responsibility for the holy things, and that's going to come smack dab against iniquity. And more and more, you're going to have to determine in that center place of your forehead, that place that really, I know the world speaks about it as the third eye, and the enemy offers that, but there's one thing they don't have, and that is that the leading of the Holy Ghost and the eyes of the Spirit of God. You've got, to, you've got to view where you are through the ways of God and your, the iniquity of the holy, Avon. You're going to find all kinds of things competing for that vision. And what Monica talked about just a few minutes ago about division, we don't want multiple visions. We, if, if, you, if you're seeing four or five things, you're out of focus, you're going to be at the optometrist. That's not something you value. You don't say, oh, I'm seeing 20 different things at once. Oh, that's great, because it's all God's light. No, you say, I need clarity. Doctor, can you, doctor, my eyes have, you, know, you, you need clarity. You need focus. That was a, a hymn that used to be in our hymnal, 320. Uh, Reverend Jackson Brown wrote that, so if we had a hymnal, we'd look at it right now. But you know, you, you want, you, you're going to, what is the thing that comes against what is on your forehead? It's iniquities. And sometimes it's not just your iniquities, it's iniquities that other people try to thrust upon you. And you've got to keep that very, you, you've got to preserve the holy thing that God has given you. And it's up to you to do it. And that is going to help you to be accepted before the plan of God. That they may be accepted. This is this word we're talking about. Another thing from Ezra 10.11 is not being unequally yoked. Now therefore make confession unto the Lord God of your fathers and do his pleasure. There's that word. Separate yourselves from the people of the land and from the strange wives. <laughs> oh my goodness oh my goodness well all right i'll settle down um 
the, the main thing is here, <laughs> strange wives does not mean what it means in our country. Uh, it means those that have married into the peoples of the land. And they've just surrendered their heritage because of whatever led them to want to welcome things that weren't really of God. And, um, you know, in the natural, we've seen that in a number of ways. People who felt their bio biological clock going, and so they have to surrender their gift to find somebody. And other people who felt that their lineage was not going to be passed on, so they had to surrender what they had in God to go find somebody to bear them children. And we found other people who were just lonely. So they go off and find somebody, and they would abandon the things of the Lord. You know, we see that in our society today. But back then, you know, there were times where the prophet would call and somebody would get a badge of righteousness and they'd run a spear through people that would do this. And so strange wives didn't just mean you had a kind of a unique spouse. It, it meant that you had welcomed strangeness into the identity. And Ezra, the high priest, tells them, you got to separate yourself from that because if you don't, you're not going to be able to walk in this favor. This word pleasure is that word for the overarching timetable of God. Ezra was in one of those moments. And um, you have to commit to God with your whole heart. Second Chronicles 15, 15. All Judah rejoiced at the oath, for they had sworn with all their heart and sought him with their whole desire. There's that word. And he was found of them, and the Lord gave them rest round about. Um, it's another one of those verses that spe speaks about seeking God with your whole heart, and you'll find him. But here it's talking about they really wanted to be in the center. This was when Asa was king. They wanted to be in the center of what God was wanting to do on a widespread basis. And the summation of all of this was offered by David in Psalm 19, verse 14. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. This is the word acceptable is this word for favor. There were some words submitted yesterday uh, in our first Saturday report. Uh, the first words coming in that spoke of this, and it was just a, a right-on kind of an assessment of what God's trying to say. But what welcomes the favor of God? You take responsibility for the holy thing God has given you, and you make sure that iniquity doesn't begin to cloud your vision, whatever form that might take. You make sure that you're not yoked to the world for whatever reason. You make sure that you are going after God with your whole heart, and you make sure that everything going on in your heart and what you're speaking is in alignment with that. Because if any of those things are out of kilter, you will not be able to step into the widespread visitation of the favor of God. And um, this is something that we need to see. And I would suspect that when David was talking about the goading 
uh, teach me, goad me, Lord, so that I don't miss that moment. He was recognizing how difficult some of these things are. You know, you can't counsel people into this. You can't give a, a kind suggestion. When you're dealing with iniquities and lusts and passions deep within that you are letting rage out of control, you need a good goading because, um, you know, that, that's got to be overcome in some way. So this is, uh, this is, I believe, why David used that term so strongly in the anointing of the Holy Ghost. Teach me to move in, in this timetable of grace. Teach me in that way. Page two. Let's talk a little more about the goading. I know that's a, that's a real stem winder topic. Psalm 30, verses 5 through 8. His anger endured for a moment, but in his favor, this is this word, is life. Weeping may endure for a night, but joy, the completed will of God, comes in the morning. In my prosperity, I said, I shall never be moved. Lord, by your favor, you have made mountain my mountain to stand strong. You did hide your face, and I was troubled. I cried unto you, O Yahweh, and unto the Lord, Yahweh, I offered my supplication. Here David is talking about that, that moment. The psalmist is talking about that moment of, of struggle. But um, he's holding on to what the greater thing is that God is wanting to do in a, in a broad perspective. I like this next one as well. Isaiah 58, verse 5. Is it such a fast that I have chosen, a day for a man to afflict his soul? Is it to bow down his head as a bulrush and to spread sackcloth and ashes under him? Will you call this a fast and an acceptable day in the, in the, in the will of Yahweh? Acceptable day. This is that time frame of grace. This is that widespread transition of the timing of God. And of course, this passage in Isaiah 15, Isaiah 58 is that passage about fasting, the fast of meekness. And you see how meekness is there and how the fast works us so we submit our strengths and we submit our capacities so that we can really bow ourselves before God and control our strengths to be meek because the meek inherit the earth. And here you find that their objective is for the acceptable day of Yahweh. This manifestation of His favor on a widespread scale. The timing for the nations. Here is the first sermon Jesus preached. He took the scroll and he unfolded it, unrolled it. Isaiah 61, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord and the day of vengeance of our God to comfort all that mourn. Jesus was saying, I am stepping, I grace and truth have come through me, and I am opening up a new dimension of grace beyond anything that has ever been known while man has walked this earth. And I'm proclaiming that acceptable year of Yahweh. 
I am proclaiming that. We're in that kind of moment. The favor of God manifested throughout his throne. Yes, we love grace as it moves in us individually. We love grace as it moves in us as a congregation. But there is nothing like moving in the acceptable favor of God when he's saying, I am turning the page now. Here comes a manifestation of grace that is going to impact all of creation. And that's what Jesus preached when he took the scroll. That's this word we've been talking about. He learned obedience through the things that he suffered. There is that goading. And uh, he's proclaiming this acceptable year of the Lord. Twelve chapters earlier in Isaiah 49, verses 7 and 8, Thus says Yahweh, the Redeemer of Israel, his Holy One, to him whom man despises, to him whom the nation abhors, to a servant of rulers, kings shall see and arise. Princes also shall worship because of the Lord that is faithful, the Holy One of Israel, and he shall choose thee. Thus says Yahweh, in an acceptable time, there's that word again. Have I heard you? In a day of salvation have I helped you. I will preserve you and give you for a covenant of the people to establish the earth to cause to inherit the desolate heritages. This is what God is doing right now. This is what we are entering into in this year of great grace greater grace than we've ever known. It's the acceptable time in the acceptable year of the Lord. It is the favor that on our mountain that stands strong. It is the favor of God. But these lessons that we learned on page one that weren't necessarily so exciting, it's those lessons that position you to be able to partner with this. Isaiah 60, verse 10. The sons of strangers shall build up thy walls. And Mexico will pay for it. And their kings shall minister <laughs> unto thee. <laughs> I always ask Yawali. Hey, Yawali. <laughs> hey, Yawali's speaking next Sunday morning here. That's, that's going to be a great thing. I say, Yawali... <laughs> You've been taking up the collection to pay for that wall yet? He just jokes and laughs. Might as well. Okay. Their kings shall minister unto you, for in my wrath I smote thee, but in my favor have I had mercy on you. This again, this favor, is an overarching dimension of the grace of God. It is... As, as what we've learned about grace and how we partner with God in grace and supplication, that should be an ongoing, it should be the thing that pulses through our spiritual veins. But we are laboring as that kind of people in the acceptable time of God, in the acceptable year of the Lord, in the, in the moment of God's incredible favor when kings come to learn when sons of strangers are those that are laboring to put together the framework of what the kingdom is, should, should be. 
Um, I, I love this. Our fasting is leading up to this manifestation of the acceptable day of the Lord. So again, David says in Psalm 143, our first passage, teach me, make sure whatever influence you need to use, teach me to do this kind of thing, to be a, a universal influence, partnering with you as you are turning the pages of history. Because your spirit is Tob. And I want you to lead me into that next dimension that you have ordained. We have responsibility to guard over as a priest of Melchizedek. We have a responsibility to not let iniquities twist our vision. We have a responsibility to, pres to preserve that unique identity and not let it be sullied by any strange thing of this nation or of the world. It's not being prudish. It's not being somebody that just is behind the times. There's a way you can function in society without surrendering your divine identity. We've got to guard over that because nobody else is going to guard it for us. We have to commit to keep seeking after God with our whole heart. And we have to make sure that the meditations of that heart and our expressions are in alignment with the acceptable plan of God. These are our responsibilities. I love this passage. I love this message because I, I, I have to view what God's shown us up to this point. I mean, we've been, we've been feasting on grace. We've, we've been feasting at the table of grace. We've been talking about grace. We've been living grace. We've been praying grace. We've been, we've been privileged to be able to learn in so many ways about grace. And it just astounds me that here at this turning point, of this month of June, in the middle of the year of grace, God says, speak about this. I want to show you something that I've not highlighted to this point. I'm going to talk about the acceptable year of the Lord. I'm going to talk about the acceptable timing. I'm going to talk about where you are right now, and I'm going to show you in my word what it is what it means. And I'm going to let you see some of the things you've faced when you've wondered, Lord, why in the world is this happening? Why in the world is this transpiring? Why is this coming against? It's almost overwhelming. And why, why we face those things? Well, here they all are, and here's the end game of it. Here's the end result. It's the acceptable year of God. It's the acceptable time. And so David says, teach me to walk in this because it is unprecedented. I would say that God is always moving in his timing. And we've talked in the past about God turning the page and doing a new thing. That's wonderful. But then there are moments where it's, it's like a graduation moment where God turns 
and reveal something in his timetable. It's almost like you didn't see it coming. God's hidden it. God's, God says, I'm going to do a thing, and when I start to do it, it's going to have a multiple effect on you. Number one, you're going to say, wow, look at this. I didn't, I didn't, I didn't envision any of this. Eye is not seen, ear is not heard. It never entered into my heart, the glorious thing that you're doing. But when that happens, you're going to reflect on, oh, yes, he did talk about this. He did cause me to meditate on this. He did show me this in his word. He did do a line upon line of revelation that caused us to be prepared to enter into this. And with all of that, we didn't see this coming at all. This acceptable year of the Lord, this timetable that's being proclaimed and, and shown, oh my goodness, only God could do that. It's a surprise party of all surprise parties. You know, you knew your birthday was coming. You heard people talking about this and that, but you didn't put it together. And then all of a sudden you open the door and surprise, surprise, surprise. There it is. Golly. <laughs> God's acceptable timetable, his acceptable year of the Lord. This is what Jesus talked about in his first sermon. And, you know, it's what we're living. It's what we're living right now. So we want the favor of the Lord. This is uh, grace multiplied. And, yes, it's something that you didn't merit. It's something that you didn't earn. It's something that you didn't expect. So in that aspect, yes, all of those things are true. But you won't enter into any of it unless you've partnered with God in every one of the aspects of leading up to it. And it's going to cost you to do it, but it is so worth it. It's worth it beyond our wildest imaginations. And so that's... That's grace. That's really the favor of the Lord. And um, I love this because, you know, we've talked about fasting, the fast of meekness. We talked about Jesus' sermon. We've talked about that for years. And now here God says, okay, here's what it means. And he says, this is what we are experiencing now. So what's the rest of this year going to look like? My goodness, the first part of this year has been phenomenal. What's the rest of it going to be? I'm looking forward to it. I know you are too. Father, I speak blessing over all of this wonderful congregation here in Dallas. And I, I speak blessing over all the congregations of the saints and all the outposts of the saints, all of the individuals that are so integrally ingrained into the family unit of the saints. We just love the way you've done this. I speak blessing over every person. And I ask you, Lord, that you will cause these scriptures, even though we're hearing them for the first time and considering this concept anew, I ask that it would just come alive in us. And that the sowing of this seed in your timing, in your rhema timing, would cause uh, 
um, an amazing transition to happen in us, in us individually. And I thank you for that, Lord. And I speak blessing over every one of the nations where you've established outposts of the saints. Uh, there's so many of them now. We feel like old great-great-great-grandparents who have so many grandkids you can't remember all their names. We remember the names, but we speak blessing over every one of those nations and the nations that are coming on board. By the end of this year, Father, not only will we see great expansion continuing through South America, but there are going to be some nations that come into alignment that you've prepared for this moment. And we're going to be talking by the end of this year about nations that are even on our radar right now, but are on yours. You're preparing your army. This is the acceptable year of the Lord. It's a year of grace. And strengthen all of our people. Strengthen, uh, strengthen everyone. I, I speak especially into Tammy Stewart today, who um, is recovering phenomenally from knee replacement surgery. Lord, just strengthen her and Dennis. Get them ready for the prophetic ministry that you have throughout the rest of this year. I speak blessing over, over every person right now. Whatever need you have, let the, let the provision of God overtake you. And we thank you for this, Lord. And um, thank you. It's the acceptable year. Thank you for this word. It's a gift to us. And we love you, we thank you for it, and we ask all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 All right. Make sure you goad somebody before you go today, and uh, <laughs> we'll see you this afternoon. God bless you.